episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. Are you still watching? I've got a virtual show for you that pays homage to basically all you've been doing during this pandemic. On Sunday, March 21st, we present Netflix and Drag, an evening of digital drag performances inspired by the hot titles on the streaming platform. $6 gets you admission to the live premiere on Zoom. Can't watch live? The show will be available for $6 on Venmo. A portion of the cover will benefit Outright Action International. Venmo at Michael Block Talk with your email for show access. Let's get streaming. And as always, follow me on Instagram at Michael Block Talk, on Twitter at Block Talk NYC, and visit theaterthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. Today on Block Talk, I'll be making over two fans into podcasters, and by the end of the episode, let's hope they don't take my gig away. It's time for another recap of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 13, and joining me to break it all down are Maxwell and Mikey. Hello, welcome to Block Talk. Hi. Hi. It's so fun to have um, new faces on the podcast. I've brought uh, a lot of new voices on this season. I just love having... Um, more people listen to the podcast and I know you've both have listened before. So thank you. I appreciate it. I love your thoughtful recaps. I, I try, you know what it may, sometimes it may get me in trouble and I have no idea if I'm in trouble for it, but you know what? I'm here to chat. I'm just always here for a good time. Let's just mess it up. Let's let's get real messy. Yeah. I'm here for it. I mean, Preseason, when I did my uh, preseason recap, that was the only time I had um, some issue, not with me personally, to my knowledge, but um, one of the season 13 queens was not thrilled with one of my um, guests critique of their promo look, and that caused a bit of a little stir in New York City, but shit happens. You're on a big screen now, you're going to have to take critiques. Amen to that. So I'm curious um, to know what your both of your relationships to RuPaul's Drag Race is when did you start watching the show you you can go first sure um I started in college I had an amazing friend named Oz and they were like do you watch Drag Race and I said uh what is that and they were like no 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 you need to watch it sat me down and what force fed me seasons one through three Mm-hmm. And then said, perfect, now that you know everything I know, we have to watch season four together. And so we watched it together and we would do lunch every single, because I think it was on Thursdays at that time, we would do lunch every Friday and discuss like the show and what mm-hmm. happened. And it just kind of grew from there and has become a large staple of my life and a large staple of things I quote from. And um, it has sort of taken over my sanity sometimes yeah. Uh, some seasons, some episodes, my sanity gets called into question, and that is okay. That is wonderful. This show has made me great friends and great enemies. So, thank you. Ooh, wow! Enemies from Drag Race, unimaginable. Max, what, <laughs> about, what about you? How did you get into the show? Like Mikey, it started in college. It was a bunch of friends and I getting together just to like revel in the art of drag. I think we started with season four. Um, we ended up 
then you know retroactively watching three and two and one for the longest time was not available anywhere i've yeah. since i've since watched it but <laughs> could not find it anywhere on the internet um but ever since then i've watched it religiously live week after week every time there's a new season yeah I think, it, it go ahead oh i was gonna say i think i have maybe missed three live episodes since, all right nice then season four yeah, I, I'm not sure if I've told my origin story to Drag Race, but I, in 2009, had just grad. Uh, no, I was still in college, my senior year, uh, when the show debuted. And I remember distinctly being at home, being in my living room, and kind of quietly putting Logo on because there's a new show, and I'm a reality TV freak. At that time, I was still kind of like not fully out to the family. So I'm watching the show, and it was engaging, and I, I think I watched a couple episodes, but I don't think I finished the entire season, because uh, I had to go back to school, and I didn't have access to Logo, and it's fine. Cut to, I didn't watch the show until um, years later when a friend of mine was like, I will watch Survivor if you watch Drag Race, and I said, fine, let's do the trade-off. Um, so my first official season watching it week by week was season eight, and I love trying to predict winners from from TV shows based on like the the... Um, introductions and the interviews and stuff. And I immediately picked Bob the drag queen to win. Also because that Bob was the very first drag queen that I ever saw perform live at Barracuda on a Monday night. So I was like, oh, Bob, Bob's the winner. And oh, that season. Um, it was clear Bob was the winner. But yeah, ever since then, I've um, become a little addicted, I guess. I don't even know how to describe wh where I am with drag race. So this is actually an intervention for you. Thank I God. don't know if you knew this. So Listen, actually <laughs> the amount of time I've spent the past two months on Drag Race because of the two shows going on back to back day after day. I need a break and I don't think we're ever getting one. Never again. Now we have Canada. We have UK. We have US. We have Holland. We have uh, yeah. Australia. I mean, you're okay. never going to get a break again. Yeah, and no. Um. And then, and then these rumored other other seasons that are apparently going to happen, like international all stars. So there, there, there's a lot of content, and but I'm excited to talk about it because listeners like you make it worthwhile. So, how are you all feeling about season thirteen as a whole? I personally feel like season thirteen is getting such a bad rep only because of the fact that it is airing in tandem with the UK. It's a broken. Nope everyone agrees the uk is better the uk is superior the uk's editing is you know far more um entertaining that being said i don't know that we would hate 13 as much if we weren't getting a double serving each week mm -hmm. so i try to actively watch it with that in mind like i try to just like pretend like the uk didn't just happen the night prior um, but I will say this past week, I thought that the, for, for once, the episode that, that aired for the UK on Thursday was less than, was less exciting than what we, what we were served for season 13 for the first I, time. I fully would agree with that statement. UK this week was a little rough and I don't think it was their fault. It was just more intended for a British audience. Than yeah, it was a cultural, there was a cultural uh, disconnect. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm, 
I am in the same boat. Definitely UK's better. I think this last week was very much designed. I don't know anything about the EastEnders. I don't know anything about British soaps. So it went um, right over my head. Um, I will say my thoughts on this season. I don't know if I just liked the Queens from season 12 better than the Queens from this season, or maybe it's, it's the length. It feels like this is the season that never wants to end. Correct. Between, between the four episodes before we had someone go home and then the COVID special and, and then the double save. I'm like, God, can we just send these bitches home? I'm tired. Yeah. 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 And it'd be one thing if the Queens, like you said, it's, if, if they were entertaining me to an extent that warranted no one going home, fine. But at this point, I feel like Candy is like single-handedly carrying the season in terms of giving us any fodder in between the challenges. Yeah, and yeah. we 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 are definitely going to be talking about Candy this episode because I have a very strong opinion after this this full episode and untucked, but we will get there because we're going to start from the beginning and it's after elimination. Utica had a rush after winning, but she's sad that Ellie is going home, but she's feeling empowered. It took them four times to send Elliot home. Which is wild because Elliot should have gone home first. When she went home the first time. <laughs> yeah. She didn't bring anything to the show. She's not doing anything after and all the controversy is just I think Elliot with three Ks. You said it. Um, is gone for a while. I don't think the fandom is going to be kind to her. But Utica says that this lip sync fuels your soul and asks if anyone else has felt that way. And there is a unanimous no. Candy is like, it felt good to be in the bottom. No, 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 no. Choices. Utica feels she gave a good lip sync in her eyes. And I saw something different. So I would roll that tape back and watch it back, Utica, please. Um, not, the, not, not, not the best lip sync. but Olivia talks to Simone about her look. Um, and she says that she is shook. Um, Simone wanted to bring a message to the runway because people are still dying and she wanted to be unapologetically black. She wanted to inspire little gay Reggies and little gay Reginas that there is a beacon out there and it's okay. Was this still the best and most impactful runway we've ever seen on the show? I mean, it's one of those, like, is it my place? Probably not. Was it impactful? Yes. Do I think it was the most well executed? No. And that's where I'm going to leave that. That's fair. That's very fair. I, I really liked that look. I liked the message in terms of in 13 seasons, six, all five, five all-star seasons, five, um, to UK, everything. Do I think it was the strongest message? I don't know. I'm trying to think back on the, decades of this show that have been burned into my brain if i don't know and and very much like what you just said i don't know if it's my place to really critique it but i really liked the message i really liked the thought behind it i really yeah. liked the dress i think it was the strongest look last week um and i think it's one of the strongest looks this season absolutely um, yeah because so, i mean it, it, it's it's rare for us to have a, an empowering message on the runway because the show wants us to just watch a campy drag queen do campy silly things. So I'm glad that the show had another moment to discuss Black Lives Matter and Simone, I think, is a great voice for it. Absolutely. 
got make one. They congratulate her. Tina wants the winners to like, you know, spread the love a little bit, but she feels that if anyone can sneak attack, it's her. She's ready to po- push Rose off that board, but babe, they both could have been on that comfortably. I'm just saying, like, two people could have been on that door. This isn't a Titanic podcast. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to, like, sorry, Tina, but I don't know how she has eked her way into as far as she has it. I'm just going to move my head a little bit and just remind everyone what Rose's face looked like. Very much that. Yeah, week after week, Tina is just... It's subpar. It is like safe to the nth degree. Her runways are, Michelle has even said it, questionable at best. Her aesthetic is just, it is beyond, it is, it is beyond. Now, have, have you seen Tina in New York before? Have you seen her no. live? No. No. I have many, many times. After this, I have no interest. Same. She is definitely bringing Tina Burner to Drag Race and not necessarily adjusting for Drag Race. So it's a really interesting journey to watch for her. But her confidence, she, she, they like her. They're giving her a lot of screen time. I love well, the confidence. And to me, it's not even a... I think she's a capable queen. I think she's very talented. It's, it all comes down to taste and execution. Yeah. Like, I don't know how someone is doing drag as long as she has and your eyebrows still look like that. And no one is no one is calling it out. No one's mentioning it. And like I don't. And I say this as someone who does drag and does my makeup and has only been doing it for five months. Right. But I can confidently say that my makeup is better than Tina. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's one of those things where Tina has been around for as long as she has, and that's not a negative, but she's the one who is you know teaching the people coming up. So she's talking to people. She's never really gotten someone to critique her looks before. So there's never been an evolution. I remember Rosé when she first started. I literally was there from the, the journey when she did her first performance to when we crowned her Lady Liberty. I've seen her evolution and the globe is real. Tina has not changed in the, the four years I've been working in Nightlife. So it's, it's really interesting to see how she's been waiting for 13 years to get on the show. She's finally on the show. Not really working out. No. Well, you, you go. go Fascinator look was just. I, I know that there, that the designer that she used was in the hospital. So as right. much as, as much as I want to read a lot of her looks really aggressively, I am taking a step back as someone who's really into fashion and, and has very loosely been affiliated with the industry. I do like to take a step back and say, okay, this is this is someone who is very fortunate to even have outfits on this runway with the designer they were using. And I'm very sure. familiar, yeah, and I'm very familiar with the design, designer's work. And I think that they do brilliant, brilliant stuff and has have done some gorgeous work. It's just... I, I'm saddened to see that this is what people are seeing and getting such because of that. I, I I do think that there's something to be said about the makeup for sure, because you've been doing makeup for that long. Makeup you can't hold on someone else. That's all you. 
Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's really interesting because, again, I, I, I've said it many times before, drag is a collaborative art no matter how you slice it. And in this, this show, it, when you've worked with designers, they're not necessarily the ones coming up with the full concept. You're working with them and saying, this is what I'm looking for. And then it's a collaboration to create it. We have seen last season Florence Lee's entire catalog of looks on uh, Name Redacted. And they were all almost perfection. Yeah. It just is not translating the same way on Tina. Because Tina is a very difficult canvas to, to dress. Well, and it's like you just said, where where is the material coming from? Who's coming? Who's supplying the concept? Who's supplying the color palette? I was just gonna read for the color palette. Yo. And, and hearing her say, I don't like pink. What why? Because but I thought she I might be jumping ahead here, but she looked gorgeous in Rose's makeover. Yeah, and we will definitely discuss it because something happened. You know, and, and I don't know if anyone clocked um, the return, uh, you know, when the Queen's return and still post on social media, media and like her makeup changed a little bit. I'm not going to say Rosé helped it, but it did definitely. She learned something from the show. Interesting. Well, speaking of interesting, Olivia was winner, winner, chicken dinner a few weeks ago. And now she's just Lunchables. Um, she's got to get it together if she wants to be on top. Um, her edit has been getting very strange, but we know why we heard that sound clip. We get the pre-intro music, and wait, it stops, because we need to look at Tina's hair. Oh my god, she done fucked up herself. She thought it was the wig, but in fact, she shaved her boy hair. And as Denali says, it looks like Olivia's lace. That Funny. was the best read of this episode because it's so fucking true. I love my husband and I love to like watch the show and try and find the 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 lace where it starts and ends and all that stuff. And you can always find it like in a second on Olivia. You don't even have to get close to the screen to really look. It's boom right there. The only person who gets the uh, face tune on Drag Race is RuPaul. And, yeah, th that blur, that light blur that goes right where the wig line is. I don't think I haven't clock clapped RuPaul. Yeah, yeah. But I thought this was a very funny moment. And it was because we've never seen this happen where it's like, we're starting the music and the way we stop it, going back because this is a funny moment. So I, I applaud the editors. Um, it gave me a good chuckle. And whew, if I fucked up that bad with my hair, I would probably be crying in the bathroom somewhere. But she's a drag queen. It doesn't matter. You do, the amount of queens who go on that show and be like, shave the brow just for the yeah. show. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. And I mean, it's funny because she did it on on the show while they were filming. But like, look at what Lawrence Cheney's hairline looks like on the UK. The whole front freaking half. I don't even know. What, what is the point of holding on to the wispies at the back that are so fried and dyed that they really need to be shaved at this point? But it's like, I'm sitting here with a shaved head. I'm sitting here with shaved eyebrows. I get it. it but it was a very funny moment because she did it with such haste and like, yeah, the fact that her boy hair was showing. Um, no, it was it was brilliantly done. It was it was well done. It's a new day. There are eight queens left. Quote unquote, only eight queens left, as Denali says. Um, meanwhile, on UK, which started two weeks after the show, we're on the final episode this week. So let's drag it out. Let's drag it out. Denali is feeling really confident as she was in the top 
two weeks back to back and she's ready for a challenge win. Candy now discusses that they have more space to do their makeup. Tina says that she can use the whole mirror now that Elliot is gone and she can walk around and Denali says that will help your makeup and we just had the conversation about that. Um, that is given a response with Denali and then Olivia goes I think Tina's makeup has been improving to which Candy Muse says from what week to what week? She discussed. <laughs> she ain't facts are facts. Yeah. Now Rue's message is about the house of doppelganger and it ends with Quote, the queen who beats it best is going to win the race, end quote. And so, therefore, I believe the winner of this challenge will win the show because Rue just said so. And there's only two queens who won the challenge. I'll tell you which one's not winning it. I'm triggered. <laughs> I think Simone's going to win. Yeah. Well, I don't um, I feel like, I don't know, Mick... Oh, you mean the challenge. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm oh, no, like, no, no. I, I mean the show. I think Simone's our winner. I keep going back and forth between Simone and Mick. Yeah, it, it's it's very interesting. Because it's, um, it's they're two different queens and both would be worthy winners. One just, I feel like, has a stronger resume at this point. But we'll see. We'll, we'll, be, we'll, we'll, we'll walk our way through it. Rue comes in with a very sensible animal print blouse and plain black suit. She is here to tell them that they are going to be doing a very different type of reading, a psychic reading. Have you ever had a psychic reading? I had a tarot reading a couple uh, last week. Yeah, I think it was last week. Have either of you been I with a medium? I dabble in the arts. Not, I don't do readings, but I, I get them done pretty regularly. I mean, I used to be like very like going to the psychics, getting the palm read, doing the whole card moment. And now moving out to LA, like everybody's doing that. And I just don't got the time, the money, the energy. Um, mm -hmm. I did just recently have a full astrology reading, which was fascinating and illuminating and eye-opening to certain aspects of my being. But you'll have to tell me about that after the show, because now I'm curious. I like astrology. So I mean, I, listen, my reading was very good. It was well done. Um, if you need one, talk to Judy Darling. She's incredible. Just um, I love Judy. She, she was so good and so graceful and nice. And she made me cry multiple times. But I still need more readings because my life's fucked up. So <laughs> I still need more insight, please. But have either, have either of you heard of Char Margolis before? She's apparently famous and I'm unfamiliar. Never, never, ever. And that's like my biggest pet peeve with the show is the producers forcing this, this like storyline of the girls knowing and recognizing every celebrity that RuPaul announces. And they are always like, oh my God, gagged. I'm like, not one of you has ever heard. Yeah. This woman. They did that. When he, when he the, uh, the previous episodes, when he mentioned the comedian, who I don't even remember the name of, and they were all like, oh my God, yeah. And he's like, do any of you know who it is? And they're like, no. Uh, what, with when, um, oh, what, Charles Nelson Riley? Yeah, I still don't See, know I still See, I still find, call that bullshit. I still think some of them knew who Charles Nelson Riley. especially Tina should know who Charles Nelson Riley is. I know who Charles Nelson Riley is. He's brilliant. Match game. Everyone should know it, but that's a different uh, conversation. But- Speaking of acting and bad things, the budget was upped as 
the queens magically went from the workroom to the main stage. And honestly, not a single one of them acted that well. They were told, here's your direction. They're like, can we please not do this? It was very uncomfortable. Terrible. No. But let's get metaphysical. Um, she asks if someone had a change of heart where they didn't like someone, then started liking them. And Candy says it was her. And Shara said, was it Rosé? Gag and Candy tries to explain herself, but I would be pissed if I were Rosé hearing all this in front of the rest of the room. I feel like Rosé knows she's not likable. Interesting. I mean, at least Denali likes her. Denali likes her, but I, I kind of wanted Char to also include Tina in that because Tina was very like, oh yeah, pretty vocal about not be not loving Rosé. Um, yeah. And Rosé said, like, I like Tina, Tina doesn't like me. So, like, I kind of feel like there's a there's a thing going on. And I don't think it's lost on Rosé that she's not the most. Uh, she's not Miss Congeniality at all. No. And she wears her heart on her sleeve and she's playing a game. She wants it too bad, like, to be. Completely- it's very true. Um, and, and next, speaking of Tina, Char asks if anyone lived by a lake. It's Tina. Did anyone drive a truck? Her dad. Well, he's here to apologize to her because he wasn't a supportive dad to her. And we have, for the very first time, a bit of a backstory for Tina. Um, They have unfinished business, and then he died. And this is really the first time we've heard um, any real-life moments about Tina's um, backstory, aside from, you know, dating Graham Norton, which is more of an anecdote than a full backstory for for the edit. So interesting that we got it here because I have predictions who's going home next um is there a farm utica grew up on a farm of course was there a cow yeah did she used to feed it she bottle fed it she had a calf cla clara clara the cow is here bullshit well i'm sorry (laughs) bullshit this was the moment where i was like okay she this is a script we're going off a script the producers know things. This is what she's doing. Yeah. And the fact that she's fully spelled the name too, it wasn't just a C, like she literally said C-L-A-R-A. She, she yeah. went for it. Um, I mean, if I were sitting in that room, I would be like, get me out of here. Who the fuck is this witchy woman? She's scaring me. Mm-hmm. And then Shara asked Denali if she's connected to Rosé. Are they friends? Do they like each other? Yeah. Do they have a crush? Silence. Maybe a little, um, but they're not having a fair because Rosé's boyfriend will kill her. Um, but that has been a, a storyline that the show has tried and been pushing this entire time. But Rosé was not about to be, um, you know, one of the first queens to have a public breakup because of Drag Race. Mm-hmm. Shar asks if they have any questions. Tina asks who will be the top four and who will win the crown. And of course, Rue starts to quote unquote call because the budget calls for them to reappear and more we get more bad acting. I will say there was a really good read in there though when Mick said, Do you know how old Tina is? I did that is true. That is true. Out loud at that one. It was that, that was that was good. Um, well, based on the readings, Shar has suggested pairs where they can learn the most from each other. So I would like to just say that Shar is clearly a producer because the producers pick these, not Shar. Char is a shady ass bitch. Every single one of those pairings was the most difficult pairing you could have put someone with. 
she's a shady ass bitch. Whatever, well, that's, whatever that's spirit. I, that's why I say it's the producers because no psychic is needed to make some of these terrible duos. No, no, no. So we get Tina and Rose, Denali and Olivia, Utica and Simone, and Gottmik and Candy. For this week's Maxi Challenge, they will be making over strangers and turn them into their own drag family. No, we're keeping it into the family. They have to make over each other. They have to turn them into their drag doppelganger where they can use materials provided by fabric.com, hair by rockstar wigs, and shoes by fiercequeen.com. And I don't think a single one of them touched any of that wall. Nope. That's where they had to put the plug in. Mm -hmm. Um, As Tina says, she has been paired with his Scottish caveman. Not wrong. She's not wrong. Simone thinks it's going to be interesting because their drag styles are just two different galaxies. And I would like to visit the galaxy Utica lives in because she, she just seems like a fun place. Better than here. It, to me, it seems like a fraught place. We have two episodes in a row where she's terrified of cultural appropriation despite the Black cast members telling her there's nothing to be worried about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we, we, we'll, we'll get to that shortly. But we start off Olivia asks if by the end of this, uh, her and Denali will be finishing each other's sentences. Insert frozen here. Um, Denali is excited to be Olivia's partner because she gets to be the divalicious diva. Olivia has no problem being called a diva because she is a polite diva, which I probably can confirm that. Um, She's very, very polite. um, And she is a diva to certain people. She stole their work. But that's another story for another day. Um, Denali puts Olivia in her look because Denali wants Olivia to be an ice queen. Olivia is excited to wear this ice dancer look. Um, Why does Denali add extra letters to words? Like we got Stenosha and Dressiana. I don't know, but I don't I don't know. Is that like a young person thing? Because I'm old, so I don't know. That's like a young gay person thing. I okay. mean, like, look at Christian Siriano when he was on um, Project Runway. He did the same thing. That's like a common, like, gay person thing, especially a very, the, the more effeminate you are, it's like a common thing you do. I do it all the time. Oh, do you? Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, listeners, every time Mikey does that, I'll take a drink. Rude. We'll make- We'll make That's some shady ass shade <laughs> right there. I try, I try. Um, yeah, I don't do it, Maxwell. Do you do it ever? I don't. And I just watched Denali's, um, the videos that they do every time a queen is eliminated where they paint their face. Yeah. And she did her Python look and she did it all throughout that video as well, but like turned up way more than on the show. And to me, it comes off as someone who was just trying desperately to create memeable moments or to like create coin terms that like yeah. aren't really quite catching on. Yeah, it's, it, it, it was, it's very interesting. Cause like, yeah, I've caught it all season, but this is the first time I wanted to discuss it because it's just where they're trying to be the doppelganger and Olivia has to do what Denali is doing. And that's part of her little shtick here. But Olivia says that the costume is, isn't va va voom. It's just va va. It was fine. We'll talk about it. Tina's worst nightmare is coming true. She gets to be Rosé. She gets to be in her head. Based on the limited interactions she has with Rosé in New York, she knows um, there are just, they only have shady comments in passing. But she saw Rosé as a very uptight but 
Both of their asses are on the line, so it's time to build some trust. Rosé says that Tina's drag is fun and expressive, and she doesn't like a lot of it because it's not what she would wear. Which is interesting because Rosé still comes from a world of camp. It's just not that level of camp. Yeah, I don't think that Rosé comes from a place where she really can speak on aesthetics. Sorry. I haven't, I haven't seen a waist all season. <laughs> like... She went to the fabric store and said, give me some tool. And they said, what tool? And she said, all of it. Rosé is worried about landing in the bottom and she does not want to lip sync in an oversized mermaid gown with Tina's makeup. That's not how she's leaving Drag Race. But you know what? That would have been good. That would have been really, really good. Um, We see Rosé in the signature Tina Flame look trying to turn it and burn it. And Rosé, it's too long. But swapping styles with Tina will be fun for her. Tina said if you asked her if she'd ever be in Rosé's clothing, she would have said not a chance in hell. Again, we've, I've discussed it on the podcast before. I didn't know about this like non-friendship between the two of them. They were both, they're both big names in New York. How do they not work together? They, they worked at the same bars, I believe. They probably just know how to keep it professional with each other. They don't have to like each other to be able to work together. I say that to my coworkers all the time. I don't have to like you. I just have to work That's with fair. you. Because um, mm-hmm. I don't like, I'm, I'm sure maybe they've been on the same bill once or twice. Um, I could not recall it. But um, they, they run in the same circles. They have the same friend group. So maybe, maybe it was one of those Tina being jealous of Rosé as Rosé came up much faster than most queens in New York City do. It's time to talk about Utica and Simone. Simone slinks into a look. She wants Simone to be a walking piece of art because that is all of Utica's looks. Utica shows her this quote-unquote art piece that basically goes in her mouth, spreads it open, and then makes her full decolletage on her chest. Simone is getting very anxious, and she's spiraling because that's not her drag. That's not her aesthetic. What, 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 is, what is she trying to do to her? What did you think of that first look that uh, Utica tried to put Simone in? That was too much. We haven't even seen Utica go there yet. So like that was a little, that was, no. I mean, she had that like red hat on hat on hat thing and that whatever the red dress is because we didn't get to see it. But that, that, that mouthpiece was a little too much. The hats I didn't mind. I actually, I thought those were fun in camp. But the, the mouthpiece, I was like, what are you doing, girl? I live for the hats, the mouthpiece. I literally gasped and was like, oh, girl, no, you're in the bottom. Yeah, thank God she switched things up. Um, we see Simone now in this beige thing, and Utica says the message of this piece is that your skin can restrain you, so a garment, is, it's difficult to move in. Time to step out of the box, Simone. Um I would love a series of Utica talking about all of her pieces in this way, because if they all have a message, I'll get high and listen to it. Yeah, a little ASMR, what, what you packing? Yeah, I'm here for it. Um, she's so kooky. She's crazy. As long as it's not her Bob Ross ASMR, because that was like Bob Ross after a pack of cigarettes at midnight. That, that, that is true. Simone is starting to understand the concept, what she wants for the runway, but she's still nervous. But now it is time for Simone to give Utica her look. And, Utica, and she wants Utica to wear her BAPS-inspired look. Utica has no idea what, the, what she's talking about, but it's the movie um, Black American Princess. It's an iconic movie, but Utica in her little farm and with Clara has never seen the movie before. 
The look for Simone is what she loves and is rooted in black culture. She has the hair and the gold tooth. She's ready to go. But now, for the second week in a row, Utica is worried about appropriating black culture. Simone is going to twist and turn it for her, so it's still giving her Simone, but this is her drag. This is what she does. She's giving you permission to do it. Is Utica just a very sheltered person or is she really, was she really worried about what the reaction would be? I think it's both. I mean, we know that this fandom as we're doing right now has no problem stating when they have an issue with things. Um, But when you have RuPaul and Simone two weeks in a row with Bob Ross saying he was a white man with an Afro, that was his hair. Now you have Simone wanting you to embody her drag. And like you said, her drag is an homage to black culture all the time. We saw it with the do-rag. We saw it last week with the say their name. She's not asking you to do blackface. She is asking you to dress in an outfit that Halle Berry would have in Baps. You can still be respectful and embody the drag that Simone is asking you to. Yeah, it's, it's wild to see Simone have these fears, but I understand those fears because cancel culture in this community is, it runs rampant. It happens all the time. You say one bad thing, you're gone. Mm-hmm. So I know we're not quite there yet with Rue getting in the runway or getting walking into the room, but that I think was, that I have a lot more opinions about. I do think that Utica is very concerned about cultural appropriation, which I think is really important. We need more people concerned about that. We need that to be more of a topic of discussion. And I like that it's coming to this show because it's getting us sitting around, having ourselves a kiki about what is appropriation and what might be appreciation. I do think with something like Simone putting her in the BAPS look, I do think that is more appreciation. Again, I'm also not a person of color. I don't get to make that decision. I can say and see how I'm looking at it. But if, if tomorrow I'm speaking to members of the black community and they say, you know, I felt that was very appropriation, I would have to take a step back and say, okay, I'm gonna, I need to listen to you because this is not my culture. I can only right. stand back and, and look at it through my lens. Um, I do think that it's wonderful that, that Utica is so aware of her, that she has a platform and that what she does and what she condones and allows is going to be what drag race fans then condone and allow and move forward with. And so I think by her saying that and really bringing up the uh, appropriation discussion, it's going to create really impactful dialogue that creates lasting change in how people interact and and essentially uh, appreciate cultures. Absolutely. Now, not, not we, I discussed it on the UK, um, podcast because i'm starting a new drag news of the week because every fucking week there's some drag race news but what did come out um from down under is that contestant scarlett adams is being ridiculed for um cultural appropriation from 2012 um and with the black community and the aboriginal community and there is rumor discussion that that will be part of her storyline within the season and we will bring it up so it is, it is an important discussion, and I'm glad Utica is also learning from all of this, because yes. this is a learning moment, not just for her, but everyone who has had that curiosity in their head, is this okay? So 
Drag Race this season may not be the best of all, but we're we, we're getting some great talking points. Agreed. Not to stir the pot, but the white the white thing, the white thing to say to play devil's advocate. <laughs> but the for me, the thing with Utica's uh, concern, and I could be wrong here, but to me, it doesn't come off as genuine concern for being appropriative. It it seems a little bit more uh, of a self preservation. Oh, absolutely, I agree with that. Yeah, it, like I'm glad that it is starting a conversation, but I don't get the feeling that she is genuinely worried about offending people. I think she's more worried about being personally attacked. Yeah, I mean, and she's going for that miscongeniality crown. She can't have any of these things in her way. Yeah. She's going to get it because we've already seen the girls were like, you're a shady bitch when the cameras are off. You're not that nice. Yeah, it's wild. It's we, I, I love watching um, uh, with UK. They, they always do this um, interview series where they get to talk about who's miscongeniality, and every single one of them has a different answer for UK. But they also discuss some of the queens that we see being so nice are shady off camera. I was like, Veronica Green's mean? What are you talking about? Oh, you could see that. No, she's a sweetheart. Oh, you could see little- that. I could see. <laughs> well, I have, do we know if. If being in the top four, does that like disqualify you from being Miss Congeniality? Because this season, I would say Miss Congeniality is Mick. And um, I don't know. I'm really not sure how it works. I mean, remember when the fans voted for Miss Congeniality? Yeah, Valentina. And like 20 billion people voted for Valentina. Yeah. What are you talking about? She was so congenial herself. Way to go, fan favorite. <laughs> Yeah, so Simone thinks if Utica focuses on um, embodying her and the essence that is Simone and not necessarily her skin color, they could have a great chance. But if it doesn't feel comfortable, it's going to read. Now we're going to talk about Mick and Candy, who are different body types, and it will be a challenge to see what they can wear from their clothes. Got Mick says the work difference, um, the, the work is going to be different compared to the others, and it's shocking. Mick knows she has to cut and race, reconstruct all these new garments, but you have a wall of garments. You can make something right now if you wanted to. Tina is playing around with Rose with Rose's um, shoe, playing around and saying in confessional, she asks, like, who wouldn't want to be Tina Burner? I do, in fact, know a bunch of queens who don't want to be Tina Burner after they were painted by Tina Burner, because um, that mug is something. No one, no, no one is volu- no one is volunteering. My room, my my roommate used to be her assistant and learned a lot of tips from her, and she's now changed it all. Wait, no, what? Uh, who? Where is this line of people that want to be Tina Burner? I don't know. I really don't know. But Rue comes in trying to be someone else as well because she says hi because Alaska is going to take over the show eventually. Uh, next week, please. (laughs) Candy and Mick go to Rue. Why are they together? So they can sweat a little bit. Is Candy psychic? Well, she can tell when she can get trade. Therefore, I am psychic as well, because I know when I'm not getting trade, which is all the fucking time. Wait, does that make me a psychic? Why? Which one do you... I mean, you you have your own trade all the time. I always can tell when I'm going to get trade. Do you really? 
Yeah. Wow, you're magical. Sure. I don't have that power. I wish. I wish. But speaking of things that are interesting, Candy says that her mother says that she has goat's mouth. What the fuck is that? Apparently, it's anytime she says something and it usually happens. She doesn't know. Her mother made it up. And if she said it, it's real. Have you either heard of goat's mouth? No. I know that there are people who have really strong powers of manifestation, but that particular thing, I don't know. I would love to know the origin. I wish um, in that video message she would have talked about it and then everything would have been full circle. Gottmik is the older sibling and she is adopted. Her sister is not. She is more of the country singer girl. And Rue says that Mick looks black Irish, which is basically half of me. I'm, I'm, that's my heritage. But Gottmik really hasn't been curious about who her um, real parents are. Because being gay and having a chosen family is what she needs. So the show just told us Gottmik's adopted and then skipped right over it. We're going to hear more about this because this is fascinating. Well, we already got her parents' little video. video in Untouched, so I'm not sure. There also did seem to be like some genuine hurt there yeah. that she might be. We'll see if the producers want to dive deeper into that or if they're just going to like let. All they have to do is say, hey, Candy, t- ask Mick this question and she'll do it. Candy, go produce the next episode. Well, she does. It's what she does. Um, God, Mick is excited to be Candy's face. We learned that Candy was a makeup artist for a few years and has more certifications than Mick does. And I say shocking because I would not say that Candy Muse is a brilliant makeup artist. Yeah, I, someone told me that she used to work at Sephora and Hudson Yards. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Wait, yes, yes, that that I do, that I can confirm. I do remember that story. Yeah, so she me, would always be late for her Monday show. I, I think that it might be one of those like things where she might have more actual certificates than Mick, but I think Mick's resume as a makeup artist is definitely a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Uh, um, speaking of makeup, did you see um, the World of Wonder announcement that there is a new World of Wonder show? Um, they're casting makeup artists to be in this new makeup challenge show hosted by Raven. Ooh. So I guess whoever does the best blackface is going to win that show. I was just going to say that. Best blackfishing. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I could do an entire podcast on it. I just don't understand how she doesn't see it. And how she gets offended by it so easily. Well, y'all know on her grinder bio, it literally says no fats, no femmes, no Asians. This is why GGB should have just won that season. Everything would be better. We wouldn't have Tyra. We wouldn't have Raven. GGB would have been our winner. Listen, Tyra, as problematic as she is, I'm going to step on my soapbox for half of a minute deserved to win season two. She was the fiercest one there. As much as I like Jujubee better, Tyra deserved that win. Now, Tyra's problematic. Tyra... One, two are problematic. Jujubee is an angel. She's a sweet darling. Which is why Jujubee came back for All Stars 5. That's true. true. Five. Yes. Okay, Olivia, Denali, they come on over. Rue tells them that they are looking for signaturisms that both of them display, which was not discussed at all 
Um, there was this. Uh, is this not what they were told? Like, is this supposed to be a family resemblance challenge? I don't understand because that's what maybe they, they changed it within the hours. But Denali loves impersonating Olivia. And we see a little montage of a may I ask you a question? Uh, so that's where she becomes this the, the polite diva, because I'm sure most of those questions are followed up by major shade. Olivia only visited the bottom last week. It was not a stay. Haha, <laughs> good editing there. Denali hasn't won since early on, and then she's been safe, 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 top, top. She can feel a win coming soon. She can taste it. Rue asks, what does it taste like? Her answer is pork chop. Pork chop, the bitch who went home. Is that the answer you wanted, really, Denali? Pork chop? That's the answer I wanted. I want Victoria Porkchop to get more than her 15 minutes. She got it last week because her, her uh, Raven was there. So it was all about Porkchop. Pork chop I gets, would have said, go ahead. I was going to say, Porkchop gets her 15 every season. Yeah. Every I would have said victory is my answer. Let's put her on all stars and like, let's just put her with a bunch of other season, like first out queens, like so that she can rise to the top. Oh, I am sure that is going to show that it's going to be on Paramount Plus. Streaming next fall. We love Paramount Plus. Tina and Rose visit Rue. Why are they together? Well, Tina says they work together in New York, but they don't actually work together. Isn't that opposite of what you just said earlier? I don't understand you, Tina. Um, stop contradicting yourself. She says if you ask anyone in New York that would uh, that this would happen, they'd say, what? I'm really not sure what she's trying to get out of Say to Rue, but Tina is going to feel the rosé fantasy. She will have giant pink hair, but Tina hates the color pink. Tina says that with Tina Burner, you get three color options, red, yellow, orange, and even gold. And guess what? None of those are going to be displayed on the runway! Sorry. I, don't, I, I don't get Tina. What, 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 what is she trying to do in this moment? If she's just trying to impress Rue, I don't know. I don't, I can't. I just, it was, uh, that's, I'm going to leave it at that. Rue then tells Rosé that she has a signature walk with a flourish. She says that there is an element of dance to it. Tina hasn't won a challenge yet and will embody Rosé. She's hungry. She's insatiable. She's ravenous. Now I want a cheeseburger. So much food talk. They must be really hungry in the morning when they do these walkthroughs. I'm hungry now, and I'm not even doing a walkthrough. <laughs> now we have Simone and Utica to wrap it all up. Simone has done two faces before. The first face she painted was failure. The second was better. Utica has mostly turned people into art, so it's just a lot of not rule following. Spray paint, but just not in the mouth, please. Utica was in the bottom and asked Rue what she thought of her performance. Has anyone ever asked that before? Ellie Diamond was close to making a, a guffaw like that, but no one's asked Rue her opinion of their lip sync, right? No. As Rue says, her ass is still here, so good, good on that. Simone asked a question. Clearly, her look is Baps inspired and is something she would have worn. She wants Rue's thoughts. She says that if you're coming from a place of love, you don't have to worry about what other people said, say. It ends there. 
Yet Utica is still a little concerned and torn. She needs to find the comfort in it so she can represent Simone the best of her ability. Now you said you had a lot of opinions on this. I do. I'm sorry, but if it comes from a place of love, it's not appreciate or it's not appropriation, I think is so problematic. And I think is such the wrong information because I can go buy a dream catcher from some white street vendor on Santa Monica Boulevard doesn't mean it's still not appropriation because I bought it from a place of love. I can not understand a single part of a culture and decide I'm going to wear something like a kimono or, or a head wrap because it's a, from a place of love or I like the way it looks. It, it's still appropriation. What she should have said is if you're understanding where it's coming from and you're having conversations about it beforehand and you're not stealing someone's culture, but using it to represent and uplift their own voice or using it to, to make way for conversation, then that is the message you want to go. And that's when it dips from that appropriation to appreciation. It was one of those out of touch celebrity moments that had me screaming at my TV. Like that is not correct information. And that's where it dips into the conversation that Simone and Utica was having being so great. And then RuPaul coming in and giving this really problematic thing and that comment from RuPaul is going to be what sticks not the conversation they were having that was so great right I think I think that's totally 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 valid um but this isn't the first time where Ru is kind of given bad advice and and we've seen how out of touch Ru is I mean it's, it's a, you're right it is a celebrity thing they live in their own little bubble and Rue thinks she's doing all things right, but maybe not. And like even with UK, um, where they do this the butch um, look, and you have someone like Bimini being like, "There's there's no gender here. I'm just gonna do myself." Rue thought this was gonna be a fun challenge. The producers thought it was a fun challenge. They're out of touch, and I think Rue really needs to start learning from the contestants they cast. Yeah. I mean, I 100% agree with that. And I think, I mean, RuPaul is very problematic. And I think when really you kind of get down to it, it's really showing the cracks that in the skeleton or the egg that is RuPaul, that it might be time for the bitch to step down and let someone like Alaska or Bob or Bianca maybe fill in on her shoes that could are totally capable of doing it, that... Bianca, please not Bianca. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I, I would pro I prefer Alaska, if anything, but I think it's time for RuPaul to step down. She's still going to get her coins from it, but having someone who is more knowledgeable of things that are socially more prevalent to society as opposed to RuPaul, who, I mean, there's a lot of problematic things. You can't, you can delete your Instagram, RuPaul, but you cannot fully delete those images from her mind. True. Speaking of images on her mind, let's it's time to walk like a doppelganger. Den Denal Denal what do they call themselves? Denalvia? I don't remember. They practice their walk together. Denalivia. Denalivia. Okay, sure. Um, too many, too many letters in that one. Olivia tells Denali to be a pageant queen and walk with glamour of timelessness and showgirl arms. The Olivia Lux arms look very, very familiar to me, almost like she learned from a queen herself named Nicole Anoskipi, but I'm not saying anything else on that one. <laughs> when in doubt, go skater and then you're Denali. Into the knees and push. It's Dancy. It's Skatiana. It is Skatiana. 
It is so Skadiana. Um, next, we get Tina, who shows Rosé how to do her. She loves to point. Oh, it's this way. They need to be each other. This is Broadway. And as Rosé tries to be Tina, she is still Rosé. Um, the difference between the two, Rosé is big and Tina is over the top camp. Rosé realizes she cannot be graceful in any sense of the word if you're going to be Tina Burner. I love that the jabs are all in confessional because if she said any of these things to her face, I don't think Tina would take it well. Mm. Ro- <laughs> Rosé is spins, but Tina doesn't want to throw up. Um, she says, like, she, you want to have beads of wine dripping off your arms. And Tina then's like, well, I'm going to just lap it up. I'm going to lick it. Uh, Tina check. Rosé questionable. This was an interesting sequence because... I don't think they realize how similar they are to each other. That, that's what I was about to say. They think that they have these like such distinct different walks and they were giving each other these like nitpicky notes. And I was like, y'all, y'all are doing it exactly the same. Like Rosé Rose is a little bit more dancery, but at the end of the day, those are men in heels. Yep, it's all rooted in drag and camp. That's what the two of them do. Yeah. All right, we get Simone, straight face with the eye. Panther on the one runway, if you will. Utica is able to pick up the Simone walk um, until she has a little stumble, but she did a pretty good job. I was, I was impressed. Simone tries to be Utica, and uh, she is basically told to be the Da Vinci man. Um, use those modern dance improv class lessons all you can. Simone is nervous and claims that Utica does awkward things, but they're just not sexual. And if anyone finds Utica's movement sexual, for you. You, you you're unique you're unique There's something for everyone exactly. we're not gonna kink shame here no never not me got mick is all about moaning and the mouth um touchy your body stupid and say gorge that's easy for candy i think it's easy for everybody we may not feel as beautiful doing it but i think we all do the got mick in a mirror sometimes probably not me not um Candy walks with a lot of flavor and Candy doesn't know how much flavor Got Mick has in her body. Um, Candy tells her to say, yeah, bitch, I'm looking at you. Mick can't do it. Not at all. She cracks up every single time and the footage will haunt Mick forever. Why was it so funny for her? What was so scary and funny about it? I I got a sense that for Mick needs the costume in order to embody the thing. I think that's fair. I think once the face is painted and the wig is on, it's a whole different story because she slayed it come main stage. Right. I just think without it, and we see that a lot of times in rehearsal, even when people are learning choreo, I think without the full get up, she just like could not find it. That's fair. That's totally fair. Well, they walk back in the workroom and Mick has to do the candy walk because everyone wants to see it and there's still laughter. She, she's not nailing it. Um, Candy's not amused and she's ready to go listen to the lip sync song because Candy knows that if Mick can't get it down, she's in trouble and RuPaul won't keep her a second time around. Um, well, just remember that. Remember that if she's ever in the bottom again. Just, just <laughs> I think that's a debatable statement, Candy, but you do you, boo-boo. Well, it's Freaky Friday and it's time to become each other. Tina tells Rosé that her bone structure and her eyebrows put fear in her. It's time to turn that caterpillar into a butterfly. I still am very amazed that 
the beauty that Rosé offers, she still has her eyebrows. I don't know. They're huge. They're I huge. Get it. I, kn- I do know from, from people telling me that she apparently uses Prozade. Yes. Not, not uh, the regular Elmer's glue stick like everyone else, which to me is even further... Uh, like just how it's further perplexing. Like I, do- I mean, I, I do know that Prozade is a good option um, from my friends at Krylon. Uh, they always recommend using Prozade. Um, but yeah, though, th- th- those aren't just like brows. Those are huge. Yeah. They are her face. Um, but she's not going to shave them because she wants to be the trade. So she'll keep them. Rosé says that they were put together because they can learn from one another. And Rosé has learned from Tina that it always pays to be a bit brassier. Just fucking say it. Um, She approaches a bit more sensitivity than Tina does. Tina likes when Rosé chills out and when she puts the wall down. And she finally admits that Rosé is a fierce competitor and a great drag queen. Obviously, that's the little tension that they had is there was maybe some bitterness in New York because, you know, Rosé is coming for a gig, but Never happened. Rose, Tina was going to keep all those gigs until she could get fired from one job. Um, not going to discuss that one. It's a, they're a really interesting combo. It, it's almost if you were going to cast the drag version of the Odd Couple, kind of would do them together because they would get along, but they also would just destroy each other. They really were an odd couple. Yeah. But I do think it's like it's like we were saying earlier. It, it stems from the fact that they are so similar. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, funny, it's so funny to see both of them so offended by the other's aesthetic. When I'm like, yeah. neither of you are 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 serving in the looks department. Agreed. Many strengths elsewhere, but I'm not. We're not. Uh, we're not gagging over either of your makeup or either of your runways. So fair. <laughs> I just had an alert. I hate my computer sometimes. All right. So Olivia Lux, she asks where the pure essence of Denali comes from. And she says the competitive women around the ice rink, but also her mother and grandmother. And we learn her mother is a six degree black belt. That's pretty awesome. I tried karate. I didn't get to black belt. I was young. I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. I want to punch people. That's not my game. Olivia is a combo of her grandma, her mom, and her two aunts. They raised her on music and movies, and she felt she knew stuff of years past. Denali says that Olivia is a duality, being youthful but an old soul classic feel, and she attributes it to her family. They both connect um, with their family legacy and the powerful women in their lives. This was a nice moment between the two of them, but I feel like it was repetitive. It was, it was repetitive, and also it was it was disappointing because I do feel like these two had the easiest job of any of the pairings and somehow flubbed it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Utica was feeling uncomfortable, but she is feeling that she is going to be coming from a place of love, problematic, and authentically Simone. Simone is excited to see the ivory enchantress. We then go move over to Candy, who is known for her eyebrows. And we learn a little more about Mick's backstory when it comes to the art of drag. Mick says when she started, she was too womanly and needed to be not human. So she did the white clown makeup and wouldn't go out and drag without it. Mick didn't transition for a long time because she was still feminine and didn't want to be called a bio queen. 
she is not like every trans guy she sees. She's not that masculine person. At brunch, all of her guy friends were so feminine. If this bi- if these bitches are guys, then she is a guy too. And just get into it. She told us that she was depressed. And when she pinpointed what it was, she fixed it. And it showed how much power she had and stopped caring about it. She can look in the mirror and is happy for once. I think it's really, it, it's interesting at this point to learn this uh, backstory for Mick. Definitely um, a check in the winner's edit box. Um, but I think not only is it important for Mick to talk about it, the people who are looking up to Mick this season are getting to hear this story because many of them are like Mick. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about this moment? I felt it was very needed. I think that there, I think especially with with Mick, there's a lot of, I mean, they said they had questions at the beginning, like what pronouns should I use? Which I think that it's kind of, it's really giving a platform to the, to the trans community to educate and to provide information in a, um, a not lab- emotionally labor intensive way because uh, Mick is just telling the story of, right. of, the, of their life. And I think that um, that moment of, you know, I identify as a male, but I can be femme presenting. I can do femme things. I think that's a really impactful and powerful comment statement to make it and really to kind of break down what our own ideas of gender are because this is such a large platform and so many people are listening and I do think it's going to extend the reach across the board to so many people. Yeah, absolutely. Candy has confidence from a lot of years of self-hatred. Your darkest, darkest, deepest day can get you to finally see yourself. It took her a long time to love her body and her look and her mannerisms and her lisps and she is growing every day. Not as impactful as Mick, but we got, we're hearing a little bit about Candy. But it's time to please welcome to the stage Tuna Burger. Oh boy, those eyes are um, smoking. Let's see them. They're right behind you. <laughs> Rose is already a hard canvas to work with, according to Mick, and Tina managed to make it harder. Um, we will talk about it further um, when we talk about the runway, but you want to talk about footage that's going to haunt you forever. This image is going to haunt Rosé for the rest of her life. The fear in her eyes, seeing herself in Tina's makeup for the very first time. The rightful fear. I, you can see in her eyes that I think she was fully preparing herself to be in the bottom. Yep. Uh, yes. Fully. I, I'm not, we're going to get to the runway because we'll discuss the smoky eye because I just, I, I can't get it. Let's talk about it. Rue walks out in a stunning red dress with that slick back white hair. But I'm going to say, Mama needed that nude illusion in the middle to have a little more pizzazz. I'm like, what, what, why, why we just got a little, a little centerpiece? Like, what, what's going on here, Rue? Um, and then last week uh, with UK, she had like the black. There's nothing, no pizzazz there. Bro, you get expensive things. Put stones in everything. I need it to sparkle all the way. Michelle is joined by Carson Presley and Lonnie Love because we love our rotating cast this season. But the category is Freaky Friday. And in honor of the runway, 
we will be playing Freak Out or Get Out. You ready to talk about the runway, Lux? Yes. <laughs> never. I'm never ready, but here we go. Rosé as Tina Burner. Originally, Jewels by Gems by Genesis. Outfit by Florence Delee. Got my notes ready. I, I mean, it was said already, like, why wasn't it? It's the one time we actually want to see the orange, red, yeah. and the yellow. Yeah, okay. Let's, let, let's dive. Let, 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 okay. So this look is her iconic Miss Comedy Queen award-winning look. She won the competition with part of this package. It's a reference to Little Shop. It looks great on Tina. The look devoured Rosé. Swimming in it. Rosé knows how to paint her face, yes. And it's not an easy canvas to paint. But Tina's face on her is just not the ticket at all. It, she didn't use the right shapes. The black eyes are literally soul-sucking. I think Rosé did a great job interpreting Tina in her presentation with the reveals and how she moved. But if this is representing who they are, they have to be the other queen on the runway. Tina has told us she is Miss orange, yellow, and red. Nowhere to be found here. So in terms of that and as a branding acting challenge, as Rosé has written on Instagram, it's a miss. Um, I'm going to have to say it was freak out, right? This, uh -huh. is a Lin this is a Lindsay Lohan freak out for me in terms of Freaky Friday, Lilo, and Jamie. Um, did not like this. Just it was, a, it was messy. And, and like's already been said, where the, where the fuck are your Ronald McDonald ass colors? This is where we wanted it. The only time I wanted it. Yeah, yeah I, I just, I don't get it. I don't, maybe, maybe it was her not being able to fit into anything else that Tina had brought that were that brand, but no. you gotta make it work. No, because you, I mean, like you just said, it was devouring her. And at the very least, let's get some safety pins. Let's fit this. Let's bring this to a sewing machine. Let's tailor it into the, like, it was, she was swimming in it. And then right. I the, the hairline, like I, Tina always has a little forehead, but like, was, it, yeah, the wig was like two inches above. It was just like two, two inches. Right, because it, it's fitted to Tina's head. Tina is one of those people who has money to get investments in her drag. She gets the best shit out there. This she is got a, that Graham Norton money. Right, yeah. This wig is not a cheap wig. This is a beautiful wig, and she is able to work with these incredible designers to get them for her. This wasn't it. This was not good for for for, for Rose. I almost want, wish they had a second of like, let's run to that rock star wig wall and see what the hell we can put on your head. Yeah. Yep. Michelle says that she did a good job at turning Tina into Rosé. It's something she could see Rosé in. Rosé learned from Tina that if something you feel something strongly, let it out. And she learned that Tina is a lot more sensitive than she comes off. Um, so yeah, freak out is like the two. Get out is the boot. So I'm giving it a get out. Go yeah. away. Get out, get out, get out. Yeah, like, this, is a, get out. this is a Lindsay Lohan get out. The audience went 18% freak out, 82% get out. So not feeling it. Tina Burner is Rosé. Hair by Drag by Sherelle, dressed by Casey Slater, boots by Domino Couture. I think Rosé did an impeccable job putting her face on Tina. It's not perfect. Again, not an easy canvas to work with. 
I think the look is one of those dance looks she brought with her and is willing to part with for a runway look. It was very simple, and I guess the arms is what made it rosé. I don't really know. The pink is her signature. We only see it in her hair. Overall, still Tina Burner to me. Yep. But like Tina Burner after a night out, like that wig, <laughs> like she had gone through it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Mikey? Yeah, it's a no from me, dog. It's a, it's a, it's a freak out. So Carson says that the essence of this is to bring your partner your brand, and Tina has a camp classic, old school drag brand with an overly smoky eye, and Rosé was excellent mugging. Um, so I guess the producers were like, we can't put Tina and Rosé in the bottom. Please say something to make it distract, distract, distract. Did they, um, did they at any point say that it was going to be judged as pairs? Only on the runway. Okay, because I just feel like we could have, we could have taken... Oh, we'll talk. We, we, we will Very discuss. much that. Yeah. Um, Tina learned that even you take, even when you take a dress in, you still have to add shoulder pads so you get the beautiful linebacker shoulders. So basically, Tina learned nothing in this moment. No, of course not. I love Rosé. The look on her looks great. The look on Tina does not. So I'm going to give it a get out. Yeah, get out. Same audience was 46% freak out 54% get out so there's a little more of a uh, uh, you're okay here Olivia Lux as Denali no designers listed it's certainly Ice Princess I think the hair is signature because we saw it day one and the fluff of the look makes it look like Denali I'm having a hard time seeing Denali's face on Olivia sure the colors are there and perhaps the shapes are right but if you just showed me the face I'm not sure I would have matched it up with Denali Olivia didn't really nail their performance, but I really don't see anything signature in the way Denali stomps on the runway, personally. This one was sad. She looks sad. Yeah, it, it, it looks like someone's first time painting someone else's face. Yeah. And this is not a read on the size of Olivia's head, but that wig was squeezing. Oh my goodness. That not wig meant for her head. No, that wig did not fit her head. Denali has a tiny little head. It just, and it's, it's sad because they do have very different face shapes, but they're both beautiful girls and such cute boys that, like I said earlier, this should have been a recipe for success. Absolutely. And they just fell short. Yeah. Carson says that when he thinks of Olivia Lux, he thinks of vivacious, bubbly, bouncy, big smile, and doesn't equate that with the look. Michelle says she would have gotten more Olivia Lux if she came around the corner and that curly hair is, that is her signature trademark. Denali's look on Olivia, I just couldn't get behind, unfortunately. I really, I understand where the judges were coming from, but I don't think Denali did a great job as well. So I will give it a get out. We're talking about Denali's on Olivia. Yeah. Olivia yeah. Lux has Denali. I, it's like the middle of the road. I don't know about it. I was going to say the same thing. I think there was way more offensive things on the runway. Um, I don't think it was great. I don't think it was wonderful. It's very much like right in the middle. Yeah, I'm not freaking out, but I'm not like, get off my screen. Yeah. The audience would completely agree with you. 50% freak out, 50% get out. 
<laughs> I don't. I think this is the first time I've ever had a 50-50 split, and I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Denali now as Olivia Lux. No designers listed. The, this, the, this reference is probably going to be lost on you, but certain listeners are going to understand it. Hear me out. If Nicole Noscopy and Carlos, the Uber driver, had a baby, this is what it looks like. Yes. Yes. Um, Olivia. Yeah. Yeah. This. I saw the. Um, um, the. Um, I'm familiar. I'm familiar with Nicole because Nicole Anoscopy, because I, I'm familiar with. With me. Uh, you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is a, a, a friend of Nicole's and. I won't talk about Carlos negatively on this podcast right now, but um, yeah, no, it, it, it's carbon copy. Um, when I saw like the the teaser photos on Reddit, I immediately texted Nicole. I was like, "Congrats on getting on Drag Race!" Yeah. Okay, so Olivia does pageants. Is she a pageant queen on Drag Race? No. Is that why this might have hurt Denali in this challenge? Yes. There is an elegance and glamour in Denali in this look. But it's not the same elegance and glamour we have seen Olivia bring on the show. I think Denali really does look exceptional. I really love how Olivia painted her. But from the judge's perspective, I understand their confusion. It, it aged her. It made her yeah. look way more mature. And I mean mature in, in, an, in an age sense than she really is. And that hair, like Michelle said, it could have been saved had Olivia thrown on the little black dress wig. Yeah. Had, had Olivia put that wig on her, I would have seen more Olivia in Denali, but it was just heavy, heavy fabric, heavy, heavy shoulders, and the hair was so stiff. So I want to throw out a theory I have. All of those photos that they put the, for the side-by-side, I believe were pre-drag race. So I'm curious if they were told to bring a look that they already had and to like, you know, put that full look together. Ah, uh, that could make sense because Mick was dead set on that black and white look for Candy. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not, maybe I'm going far-fetched because I, I, we obviously do see later on in Instagram that um, Simone did have a, a, a celebrity photo shoot with um, a, a, another winner. I just told you all that Simone won again. Um, but so I'm, that's just a theory I'm throwing out there. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not faulting Olivia as much because I do know her backstory. I do know she does pageants and I know this is part of her. But yes, did Denali look older than she does? Yeah, because Olivia paints in a very classic vintage way. And that's always what that look is. Yeah. So it's just, I think it got lost in translation personally. I'm going to say something big C controversial here. Okay, let's do it. I think it was sabotage. I did not, I mean, she has never worn a look like that on this show. She, I thought the makeup was really poor. I thought that the dress was just not a good look. The hair didn't fit, like nothing about that red Olivia, not a single moment of that. And granted, I don't know her background, but I felt it was complete sabotage. And then when the lip sync came around and we're going to get into that more, but like she could do fuck all in that dress. Like, and like, again, I, I want to counter you on this on based on what Carson said about Tina, where we all know what a Tina's brand is. That's not what was put on Rosé, but she got a pass for it. 
Yeah. Which so it's I it's also really, don't think that should have been a pass. So. Right. So it's I just feel like the judging here was so inconsistent and so unfair to Denali. We should yeah, it should have we'll get yeah. We will get Lonnie, to that too. Yeah. So Lonnie says she knows her from the tool and she knew that she was gonna use tool and that is her trademark. Carson says they know her from figure skating world and she portrayed that really well. Michelle noticed the long braid and the nails that do something. What are they doing? They're ice skates. She couldn't tell that if she had the exact um, paint. What she couldn't tell her if that was how she exactly paints her face, but whatever. Denali learned that they intersect and their connections to their mothers and grandmothers are what bring them together and portray that in their drag. I'm giving it a freak out. I'm, I'm defending it here, so I will. I will give it the freak out. Where are you landing on Denali as Olivia? Get out. I need it off my screen right now. Get all right, out. all right, all right. Audience was 33% freak out, 67% get out. So exactly what this podcast is doing right now. All right, we got Simone as Utica, uh, skin by Ash Marie Kahn. Simone was like, I will do whatever it takes to win this goddamn competition, even if it means looking like an acid trip forest nymph. It's quirky. It's weird. In a lineup, I would have immediately known it was a Utica look. Um, I do wish Utica played a little more with colors for Simone because um, her face needed a little more whimsy to it. Right now, she still looks like she had like a milk mustache because she literally did what she what Utica would do. And it was a little too white. Um, Simone did the best she could being a weirdo and it really paid off. What are your thoughts on Simone as Utica? Yes. It was Utica. Yeah, it was absolutely Utica. I think this this pairing and um, Mick and Candy had the strongest aesthetics to switch, the most like recognizable. Sure. I yeah. think even if they weren't making each other over, if it was pre-COVID times or post-COVID times and they were making over strangers or fans, it would have been the same story. Um, I I think that she nailed it. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think it was like pretty goddamn perfect all around. Yeah. Michelle knew when she walked out on the runway that she was Utica with the kookiness, but still fashion. Carson loves how it was so interesting and loved the bodysuit and calls it dynamic. Michelle says the outfit is so Simone and loves the gold tooth in the trip to the hair show. Lonnie really appreciates the hair on Utica. Simone says that their drag is drag aesthetic is different, but she learned from Utica to let go and have a little bit of fun. Freak out. Absolutely a freak out here. Freak yeah. out. Freak out. Audience, 89% freak out, 11% get out. All right, next we have Utica as Simone. Outfit by Oscar Utere, hair by Malcolm Marquez. Well, she did it. And the amount of white chicks references that came out after the show was very unfortunate, but <laughs> that's the fandom here. I think Utica did a brilliant job embodying Simone. Simone's paint on Utica was exceptional. The shapes were natural. She made Utica look womanly in a way we have not experienced yet. I know this was a difficult assignment for Utica, but she tore her wall walls down and I think she did Simone proud. Yeah, I think it definitely was a really great look. It worked really nicely. I liked, I just, I felt like for all the reservations she had, she did a really great job. And I think pushing through that and just like, this is a challenge to embody. I, I, I need to do this for Simone or else we're going to be in the bottom. Like, I think that that really is what helped propel her forward here. I agree. 
I think she pulled it together. She looked great. I got a little bit of like a young Allison Janney in the face. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> like it was nice to see her her more natural uh, bone structure. Um, I will say the walk, I didn't gag over it the way everyone else did. I still saw a little bit of insecurity. I would have liked a little bit more of like bouncing. I also don't think she wears the heels that high either. No, yeah. it was true. Uh, but I do think that they pulled it together. And Absolutely. It's very clear that these two were going to win. Carson loves how it is so interesting and love the bodysuit on Simone and calls it dynamic. Lonnie says she embodied Simone and showed how she doesn't have to be a caricature. She goes on to say that when you're dealing with a person of a different race or culture, that you got to work, um, you got to work about the skin and worry that work within with what is within you. Utica learned that Simone is so powerful and she feels like she hides behind the goofiness and she can be just as powerful as she is on the stage tonight. This is a freak out. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Freak For the out. second week in a row, I get a 100% freak out, 0% get out. So last week was a 100% for Simone. And again, tech plays is a 100% for Simone. So look at her. She's doing something that's never happened on the podcast before. Got Mick is Candy Muse. Um, no designers listed. Here we go. I think this is the same as Rose. This look is not necessarily signature candy. Is it what she brought and was willing to part with? Yes. Yes, she did have to transform the garment to fit Mick. Based on this competition alone, I understand where someone could have under ha, would have had the understanding that this feels more like Tina Burner than Candy, simply based on the color story. We have seen Tina with these colors, and we have seen Candy do my, more body exposure and big big looks, frilly looks. So based simply on that, Candy did not succeed for me. I think the photo that accompanied this look was with the black hair. And I think that was very necessary for it to not feel like a Tina Burner look. Mm-hmm. Mick had so much fun in the performance and brought a different attitude than we've seen thus far. She sold the story and gave a lot of candy. So that was my controversial take on Got Mick is Candy. See, I disagree, and I actually side with Candy when she freaks out later, that Tina has never looked this polished, ever. Never looked this sexy, never looked this polished. And I do think that this outfit on Candy's body type has a very different impact than it does on Nick. And I think that's where the disconnect lies. To me, it's not in the color story or the makeup, or even the wig, it really truly does lie in the body type because that bodysuit on a full figured queen like Candy is sexy, is juicy, mm-hmm. and is fashion in a way that, sorry, Tina, but Tina could never. No, but I think, again, yes, there, were, there was Tina colors within the bodysuit. The glasses were red, the hat was Tina colors. It was the hair. That's where it was full Tina. That's why it felt more Tina than Candy. If it was the jet black, then it would have been a different look. When Tina, we, I was going to say, when do we ever see Tina with just long? It's always up and big and teased and a helmet. I've never seen Tina give me Naomi Campbell. And Tina also does not own the color red. She doesn't? You would Be think. Sure. Be sure. You would think. But she does not own the color red. But she owns I, orange and yellow, right? 
she owns no color. Yeah, I agree. That's fair. Listen, I, I, I love disagreeing on the podcast because it makes for an interesting conversation. I second Mikey. I feel like it, it's, uh, it worked. I will say, but it, again, it's, it's, it's the face shape differences. Like I appreciated that Candy gave Nick the gap. I yeah. didn't Candy from it. I got Madonna. Fully, fully. <laughs> given, given, given the parameters that we know we're working within, I can recognize that that was a nice little Nick nod. Absolutely. So, somewhere Jan is very triggered that you just said Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy. Okay, so Michelle says it's crazy to see her in a different kind of face. She's a woman today and she gave her attitude. Gottmik learned that even with different upbringings, they solved their trauma from the art of not giving a fuck. I will give this a get out. We already know why I will give it a get out. No. You both will. Freak out. It's a low freak out for me. Like it's borderline in the middle for me, but it is just, it's above where I would put probably Denali's if I was ranking them. So it is a freak out. Audience was 64% freak out, 36% get out. And finally we end with Candy Muse as Got Mick, no designers listed. Got Mick gave Candy the signature Got Mick clown treatment. No matter what they had to do to the garment, it was clear that this was Gottmik. The hair is amazing. The beat is brilliant. I will say that Gottmik has a natural ease when it comes to showcasing the sexy side on the runway. Candy really tried to embody it, but you can tell she was not giving you the candy sexy. She was trying a little too hard to give you the Gottmik sexy. And I think if she was in her head, it's a thing we've seen many, many times. She would have been a lot, there would have been a lot more ease to her performance, but I thought she looked, she looked good. She was good. I mean, she shaved her ass for it, so we have to give her some credit she there. She said it how many times? I loved that. I loved that. She's like, I thought my ass would be hanging out. I think that I think that she nailed it, though. And again, it's like I said earlier, Nick, Candy, Simone, and Utica, all those four queens have such distinct styles that Mick could paint her face on anyone. Yeah. And you would know that she painted her face. The, the only the only people that she couldn't paint their face and say it was immediately Mick is um, Kiss, but that's a different story. <laughs> I, I this is always one of the hardest challenges for me, and it, this probably definitely comes from my lack of makeup knowledge. Um, but I always have a difficult time when it is the more subtle queens doing each other's makeup, where I'm like, I don't see the difference. Period. I think with like Utica, Simone, I think because they have such a branded look, it was easier to tell, but I'm going to be quite honest. I didn't necessarily see Simone in Utica. I think Utica sold Simone's persona better sure. than, the, than the makeup actually represented. Right. Well, so, and that's what I meant more in the aesthetic is that like Simone as a package, wig, look, energy has more of a signature vibe. But yeah, I, at the end of the day, I, I do think that Nick killed it on, on Candy. Michelle said, bitch, yes. Um, she says Candy was, an, was able to embody her and says the artistry of the duo was high content. Candy says they were close before, but not. But now after this, she's her bitch. And she thought her ass was going to be out, so she shaved it, but her nipples are out and they are a little cold. Because studios are always cold. I would give this a freak out. I think Nick did a great job on Candy. Freak out. Freak out. Audience, 74%. Freak out, 26%. Get out. Rue has decided. 
she wants to hear from each of them and base their own opinions. Who should go home tonight and why? Don't we love it? Because those fuckers in the UK did not give it to us because it didn't work with their plot line. All right, let's discuss it. Let's see if this works. Rosé says Olivia because she doesn't see Olivia on Denali. Tina says Olivia based on the night's work. Olivia is basing her decision on the entire competition and votes Utica. Denali says Got Mick looks more like a Tina Burner style brand, so she says Candy. Make it make sense. Simone says Olivia. Utica, based on the challenge, says Olivia because the look does not translate. Just the challenge. Got Mick says Olivia as well. Candy. Here we go. Decides rather than just following instructions to jump and snap back at Denali. She says, first and foremost, she didn't know that Tina Burner owned flames and the color orange, red, and yellow. She says, you've never seen Tina Burner walking down the runway looking like a hoe, looking flawless. And her and Got Make had the hardest challenge in the group because she's big and she's little and they still made it work. All the bitches had the same size, so there's no excuse why they look as weak. And Olivia and Denali look the weakest out of everyone on the stage. Just her opinion. Obsessed. Yep. Where's the lie? I'm going to say something now. Obviously, we know there's resolution in Untucked, but I am sorry. The defense mechanisms coming out of Candy, I get it. It's hard to hear your name. It's the fucking game. To attack the way she did, for me, I did not care for. I really, really wish the producers let the show unfold naturally and they did not do that unnecessarily unnecessary double Shantae. They have now allowed Candy to continue to show a negative side through this pressure cooker and it's not helping them give her a positive spin they want to be a potential winner. I'm going to be for real. I don't think they want her to have a positive spin. I think she's the perfect villain for them because she has likable moments where the other queens are going to be like giving her like come on and hang out with us. But she also will give her snap moments that will give us the drama, the tea, the energy that we need to keep us relatively boring season progressing forward. That, that. I don't think that they're trying to make her a villain, but I don't think that they're necessarily attempting to give her a positive edit either. Yeah. Candy has a nice duality while also lending entertainment that is sorely lacking. Sure. <laughs> I mean, and, and then I like, Last season, they got a, a, an Emmy for casting. Sure, I'll t- with, with one minor exception, fine. I don't <laughs> think they would deserve one this, this season. I think the casting just did not work. They did, Individually, we, had, we have some great entertainers, but they did, they're not meshing well for a great entertainment show. And that's why they're keeping Candy, just like the, the reason why they kept Raja O'Hara as long as they did. Candy, I understand it. But Candy needs to understand she was saved for a reason and not for, for drag. I'm, I'm sorry. She wanted this moment. She got her moment. It did not make her look good. And based on the shows we've seen, when was the last time they really gave a villain or an, uh, the antagonist the victory at the end? Yeah, we, we don't see it on Drag Race. So I, it's... She doesn't, have the, she doesn't have the wins at this point, I think, to win it. I think but they give look- her so much screen time to but, make her feel like a winner. But and then let her feel like a winner. She's still not walking away with $100,000 at the end of the day, whether she's in the top four or not. She ain't walking away with the coins. I now, think, like, I, you go ahead. 
I was just going to say, I feel like the delusion is sort of what makes it so delicious. Yeah. I, I, I think we're at this point where the fandom is like pointing out, oh my God, we had X amount of white winners in a row. Um, only skinny queens are winning, blah, 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 blah. The show wants a big girl to win the show. They thought Silky Nutmeg and Nosh could be it. Did not work. They thought Name Redacted could be it. It w- would have happened if other things didn't come out. Lawrence Cheney's our next best hope, but the fandom doesn't want Lawrence to win. They want Bimini to win. Yeah. They thought they could maybe have it with Candy. It's not going to happen. When is a big girl going to win? We, we see the... Stars. Well, right. We see the potential cast for all stars. And yeah, Ginger Min should fucking win that based on that cast. I don't see it happening because I think they're going to give it to um, someone else who is going to do very well. But I, I, I'm, I'm just... They're forcing candy on us a little bit. That's just my opinion. I'm if I get slack for it, fine. But I don't know. I'm. I, this is. I just didn't like that look on her. I'm this a, is on casting. So I'm not. A, I'm not mad. <laughs> yeah, could, I, I, they can force her on me for up until the final four. And like Mikey said, do I think she's going to win? No, but I love the delusion. It's she's like, an excellent reality star. She's yeah. an excellent reality star. It was like when um Valentina. No, no, I was I, I'm forgetting her name. Oh my god, back to Party City. Why can I not remember her name? Phoebe O'Hara. No, Phoebe O'Hara. I, all I can think of is Jeremy, like the because that's right. what goes by these days. Uh but yeah, it's like Fifi in the final. Fifi had no business in the final. I, right. I it made for good TV. It's true. Just like, why was there a final five or, well, pre-final five? Why was Vanjie there? Because it's Vanjie. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's as a reality fan, you see these things happen. And I don't know if anyone else would have gotten away with bitching out Denali the way Candy did on, in this moment. But that was just me on my soapbox. Early, early seasons, we got it all the time. Like, I feel like that's what the, sure, new, sure. That's what the newer seasons is missing. Everyone. Yes. It, it it's hard- overproduced. It harken, but it also harkens back to Utica's trepidation, which I do think does, you know, it, it's, it's an important conversation to be had in terms of cultural appropriation, but I think it, it, it runs deeper and that all of these queens that are being cast are so afraid to be themselves. Because I think if they were, we would see a lot more shade coming from Rosé and we would see a lot more shade coming from Tina. Not the cute little jabs. I think we would see a nasty side from both of them and we're not getting it. Yeah. Yeah. It needs like the Heathers versus the Boogers. It needs like Shangela throwing a drink in Mimi I'm first face because she said she had a sugar. Like I need, uh, what's her name? Mystique and morgan mcmichael's like ready to beat each other up in the hallway like yeah. i need some good drama and i am by no means condoning that behavior but i do yeah. think it's human and i do think in the pressure cooker that is this competition people are censoring themselves and i yeah. and I, I do appreciate that candy doesn't yeah that's true we got some results got mick candy are safe simone utica are the winners they each get five thousand dollars because are they not getting sponsorships this year? I don't know. Or they just have a lot of cash line. <laughs> um, Rosé and Tina Barnard are safe, leaving Denali and Olivia up for elimination. How do you feel? It should have been Olivia and Tina. Absolutely. I don't, 
it's they should not have judged them as pairs they should have done okay winner can be pairs but losers we're going to take separate no i agree it should have been tina versus olivia and olivia would have sent tina home most very likely 100%. Going especially back, on this song <laughs> yeah going back to like the reality TV of it all, I do think that Denali was a fan favorite and it kind of like made it exciting that like one of the stronger competitors was just sent home. I just don't think that it was warranted. I agree. I would fully agree. Denali thinks it sucks that she's in the bottom for errors from her partner made, but but that's the game. The song is Shackles Praise You by Mary Mary and we're going to go to church for this lip sync. Olivia really is an extraordinary lip syncer and really embodied the song in her performance. I think Denali was a bit in her head, obviously, because she was very upset about this result. Um, there just wasn't anything new for her to bring in this performance. We've seen a lot of her in the lip syncs, so there was nothing new that she could have done. We, there's no tricks that she hadn't already done. I'm going to challenge you on that. What could okay. she do in that dress? That dress was tight floor length. I mean, she basically had to hike it up above her knees to just move her legs. I think she could do fuck all in that dress and could not do anything. And and she knew she shouldn't have been there. I also think the show unfairly edited Denali to be, be a filler queen when she just as easily could have been a top four queen from Absolutely. day one. She had the skill, the talent. She was giving interesting looks like when she did that chandelier look and was safe. I think she knew she was getting the filler at it. And in that moment, she's like, I'm just done. There's no way they're going to send home a queen with two wins versus me and just gave up. And the dress didn't help her at all either. Right. I, was, I, I did think, why did she not change? Granted, I do think it should have been Olivia versus Tina, but based on the judging and the way that Untucked went, I do think she had an inkling that she would be in the bottom two. And we've seen in past seasons when a girl thinks that she's in the bottom two, she changes. I don't like not, not on the regular season. All stars they're allowed to. They can't oh, do it here. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. But but that's that, that's the other thing. You Mikey, you mentioned sabotage. We've heard Olivia talk already about how most of her looks have a reveal because you gotta be ready to lip sync. This one didn't. I don't know if this was an intended runway look or if this was just an extra look that she brought with her. This one didn't have the reveal in it, so. This is, I just was not impressed with it. And I think it sucks because I think Denali couldn't do any of her tricks because she could dance and she can twirl it and turn it and do the splits and the tricks and the jumps. And she couldn't do it in that dress. You just couldn't do it. Right. Olivia stays, Denali goes, and here's my tea. I think this lip sync was stronger than Simone and Candy. And if there was one double Shantae this season, this was the one it should have been. Um, sorry, not sorry for what I said, but I think that's it. I, in regards to the double Shantae, I have to say, and I don't think enough people are talking about it. I don't think that what can't, what happened with Candy was a double Shantae. It no. was a rude deciding, I do not want to see you go. And that's, that's the narrative online where everyone's like, that wasn't a double Shantae. That wasn't a double Shantae. I'm like, no one ever said it was a double Shantae. It was simply Rue rewriting the rules. I don't- Essentially. Yeah, I don't know that I would categorize it as a double Shantae. That being said, the fact that he let two queens stay, yeah, did not allow for him to do that again. So, right. 
I don't know if I would necessarily classify this as a double Shantae lip sync, period. I okay. think it was stronger than Simone and Candy. I just yeah. like when I think of double Shantae, I think of uh, Shut Up and Drive. I think of sure. um, Brooklyn Heights and Evie Oddly's uh, for mm -hmm. Snatch Game. Like that's what I think of. Like something where you look at that and you're like, you can't let either bitch go for that one. Yeah. This one, it's like Olivia let her have it. Like full stop, let her have it on that runway. Yeah. Granted, Denali, there was no reveal. There was no anything. There was no getting that dress off. So she was fucked. But I, I just think that this was some rigor morris. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's, it's to try and preserve Tina longer when Tina's not performing as well as, say, Denali. Correct. I don't, yep. under, I don't understand why Tina's still here. This should have been Tina's week to go. She, she fucked up Rosé's face. Look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's it's, discuss. Yeah, go ahead. I. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Let's do untucked a little bit. Denali is nervous because Olivia got poor critiques and she will be in the bottom as they are being judged as a team. Olivia says it's hard to hear the other girls think she should go home because she knows she can do so much more. They got the dreaded question. No one on answer. And Candy wants everyone to elaborate as to why everyone shows that they did because producer Candy Muse is really curious. Well, Candy wants to know if she needs to go full fight like with Tamisha or if she can just have a resolution moment. Like yeah, that's, that's what she wants. That's true. That was a temperature check. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Simone said Olivia based on the critiques and she didn't know the pageant side of her and knows her as a flirty, vivacious girl. So when she put it on Denali, she was like, okay, question mark. Rosé says they all love her and Olivia knows and said she knows it's based off of the challenge, but one of her biggest criteria was she would never say herself because they have things they want to achieve here. And that's why she can't say her own name. The alternate was to base it on the whole competition. I think that's a viable answer. That That's fine. I um, don't hate that. I, would, I no. hate when the queens are up there and they're like, I would send myself home. It's like, Okay, bye. Get off the stage. Right. So I, I commend Olivia for for giving voice to that because now I think no one should be allowed to say their name because it's not fair anymore. Yeah. Candy chose her team as a whole after her name was called out, saying her look is more Tina Burner. She continues to jab Tina in the process to say that her look is based on Muglar and Tina has never walked down the runway looking sexy like that in Muglar. She gets that Tina as the red fire, but she had the hardest challenge when it comes to how to do candy on Mick. She continues to say that they have had the hardest time, but they still slayed it. She goes on to tell Olivia and Denali that these aren't the strongest looks. And Denali says, you're 100% right. I want to ask a, an interesting question here. Candy is like Muglar, 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 Muglar. That's what it's based on. Why does everything have to be based on something else? Why can't, why, what, isn't there more don't, shouldn't we love the uniqueness of looks? Like Utica brings unique looks every week. Why? Why does? Why does everything that Candy is bringing this season not original? Why, why is she getting bonus points for it? I was going to say, why is nothing that anyone is bringing this season original? I posted about it on my drag account. This season, we have seen more repeat looks than ever before, and yeah. You and Utica has not been part of that equation once. Like we saw Tina and Elliot both in the taxi. We saw Denali and Mick both as crash test dummies. 
we saw Rosé and what Lala Reed would have worn for the Fascinator Challenge in the identical rose gown. We saw Elliot, Lala Reed, and Tina Burner all in Mardi Gras beads. We Tina saw- and Mick would have been the conductors. Yep, and we saw Olivia and um, Candy with the hair. Candy with the right. beaded hair. And this has not come up once by the judges. And I do nope. I have to assume it's because they didn't have as much time and they had to you know, get everything together in lockdown. Right. But to your point, I think queens in general watching the season and who are auditioning for future seasons need to take a page from, like you said, Utica's book. And like, we need a little bit more originality because the fact that we had so many reference points repeated this season is unhinged i mean just just going back like three weeks in a row this is uh muglar then we had um uh lady gaga reference and we had a beyonce reference what is original to candy so i don't blame her for that i really don't it's especially if you are trying to come up with something and you are having a really tough like you're just you don't have the eye for it you don't have she's working with brilliant designers sure which Again, I, she might be going in and giving them more, trying to be more like, oh, girl, I was involved in this. And da, 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 da. She might be going in with like, I have this vision that I saw that I want to do something like Beyonce and I want to do something Mugler and I want to do something this. Like she might, Gaga, I've got, she's going in with like, a, I want to do something like this because I have reverence and respect for them. And she kind of doesn't have that editing, editing thing of, okay, I'm borrowing too much from other people's style. I need to find my own. And it might be from an, a lack of her own understanding of what her own style is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because this is really her first opportunity to be on a stage where she's not going to wear a bodysuit every week. Fair. And, and it might be, you know, her style is, won't translate well for TV or not at all. isn't, or is not elevated enough for TV. Cause I mean, Michelle will read them every time they walk down the runway in a bodysuit or a corset with shit glued to it. And so she's like, I can't do my signature stuff. I have to elevate myself. I don't know how to elevate my stuff because what I do isn't that television elevation. I don't necessarily hate that she's borrowing from other people. I also am not seeing, other than the Olivia beaded hair moment, I'm not seeing too much repeating from Candy but it is a lot of borrowed thoughts yes. from other people. It's not, it's not a lot of repeats this season, but it, like even her, the little black dress was inspired by the Comey right. runway that Aja was inspired by for the Lady Gaga runway her season. It is, it, I don't think we're seeing a lot of repeats this season with Candy, but I do think Michael's correct in saying that her, her everything has a reference. And I think it's okay to have a reference here and there, but we yeah. need, you need a some sense of originality. Also, not to mention, but uh, the the boxing repeat. That's, Olivia. that's true. That's oh, another yeah, one. Olivia, right. Olivia, and Simone. So many. I, this I honestly think if I were to do like a season recap at the end of the season, that's what the season will be remembered for: the repeats on the runway. Insane. Also, Joey J posted the fascinator with the spilling tea, which was exactly yep. what Holly did with the spilling coffee. Yep. I was. I can't. I it. miss Joey J. Oh, I don't. So beautiful. He's so beautiful. I don't. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't see the appeal. Yeah. I, I love him. All right. Anyway, let's continue. Denali is really quiet because she feels nauseous. She knew their looks were weaker and they would be in the bottom. She's not going to give a sob story, but she didn't think Candy needs to go home. But to say herself, her partner was someone who was already strong and who could take it. She didn't believe it 
what she said, but Candy was the person she had to say. She shit on her sisters, and that's the worst feeling than the anticipation of being in the bottom. So she apologizes. Candy sees her getting emotional, and that means a lot. So we're not having a fight. But did we want to fight here? Yeah. We did. Yes. Yes. Didn't and get I, it. And I wanted Candy to do what she did on the runway and bring Tina into it again and be like, why didn't you say her name? Right. Which, which right. that's a very fair thing. You, why'd you say my name when I was clearly in the top when you could have said their name when they were in the bottom? I needed like another Tamisha Iman. I said what I said. Yeah, you're, it's right. Denali has had an amazing time getting to know Olivia, but it was her partner who got her where she is. But she just wants to respect, have respect from all her sisters. Candy knows how she feels uh, because she was in this position twice. Rosé says that's why she said her name because she can take it because she's experienced it. Okay, oh sure. God. Got Mick says, um, keep pulling her into the bottom. RuPaul's going to send her home at some point. I thought that was a cute little moment to break the tension because it could have gotten there. It could, it could have gotten there. Candy says she feels fabulous from going from woman to drag queen. And Mick says she put candy in drag for the very first time. Simone is happy they repaired to get her, her and Unico repaired together and happy to feel her skin. She was glad to not be herself on the runway for once. And thanks, Utica, for giving her a different perspective and how to look at her own personal drag. Utica says she hasn't felt powerful on the stage and she hides her insecurities through a smile and a goofy and a silly. And she was just channeling Simone's power. And then Mick says that Utica looks like Sharon Needles. I don't see it, but sure, Jan. Sure, Jan. I don't see it at all. No. Simone said it was nice to have to look back to see what it was like to uh, put someone else there because if she wore it, no one could say anything to her. She would have been flawless. It was confidence booster for her. Also, she had to dissect the essence of Simone through Utica doing her walk because that's something that they all learned is you have to learn about yourself through other people's version of you. Candy says this is a fierce top eight and it's hard to see someone going home. She can't picture it as they are all so different and strong. So now Candy is being all kumbaya and I'm not here for it. I hate when Untucked gets so kumbaya. Like Untucked used to be like, oh, let's, let's mock our fellow contestants. And then they come back and said, oh, did you see what they did when they pulled your name out of the box and they made fun of you or... Or yeah. like, I need some, like, what's the point of Untucked if it's just going to be them, like, sitting around, like, being nice? Like, you get yeah. one or two good fights a season. Other uh, than that, I don't need to watch Untucked half the time. I agree. I really like how they do it with the international seasons. Put it in the middle of the show. Give us 10 minutes at most. Yeah. If there's but, something big, then you edit around it, but yeah, I don't if, need it. And if you're going to do a separate show of it, as they do in the U.S., I agree with Mikey. It should be pink room, gold room, separate them <laughs> into different rooms, get yeah. a little tea, walk in on each other. Obviously Let this year drink. they couldn't because of COVID. Uh, that's why they're back in the workroom. But Let them us. drink more than one drink. They're not drinking. They were drinking bubbly water. I know. This season they can't even drink. But before, like, let them drink two, three, four drinks Where? and then fucking just fight. <laughs> Where is Hamburger Mary's? They needed some money during the pandemic. Come on. Let them be a sponsor. Yeah. Olivia knows she's in the bottom and starts to cry. She lets everyone know how much they mean to her and how they've helped her so much to grow as an artist and a person. She's thankful. She's saying it now because she doesn't know if she'll get a chance to say it. She's really just, she thinks she's going tonight. She really thought she was about to go. 
No, she didn't. She's vying for that uh, congeniality edit because she doesn't see herself in the top four. Okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Denali says she really feels beautiful and it was all Olivia's doing. And then we get our second video message of the season. Candy's mom. Her name is Patricia and she is the mother of Kevin, a.k.a. the Candy Muse. So we got a video message from a mixed family. We got a video message from Candy's mom. Are we having any other video messages? Do they not exist? Why are, we, why are these the two we're being shown? Pushing that narrative. Um, so we learned that she is very, very, very super proud and excited that this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, this goal, has been reached. The first time she saw Kevin in drag, uh, she said, no, not drag, because shit, that don't make you any money unless you're RuPaul. And it's funny how things have turned around. Um, and we learned that at age four, um, Candy could dance around to, to Celia Cruz. Candy cries is this was all she needed. She misses her so much. She does everything for her family and to everyone who has doubted her. She always wanted to be a fame whore, but this was her moment. How did you feel about the Candy's mom video? Nah. Nah. <laughs> it brought nothing it brought nothing same i was just like oh she's really young yeah 17 years apart we learn um again this is why i think they're pushing candy on us like of all the people it did i want to i want to i want to hear from utica's family i want to hear from aja <laughs> <laughs> oh I apparently there's a video from... or something about i don't want to hear from oh what Apparently there's a video or something of Aja telling about why the house broke up or something. I don't know. Yeah, I watched it. But I mean, it would have even even it would have even been more interesting to see a video from Dahlia Sin and Janelle number right. five. I they would have right. Um <laughs> but, sure, Janelle number five. Does she talk? Is she able to talk? Well, they would have given us more, I think. Than, Absolutely. Than I mean, at this point, I want to see a video from Gigi Good to Simone. Yeah. I don't want to see a video from anybody i'm just going to be real it was it's like i this is not giving me like an emotional moment like it used to be more like your parents finally accepting you so that's why we're showing right. this video and now right. it's like everyone in the top four gets a video at some point and like that's that and like ugh, it's just boring it eats up time and it's like just let them drink and fight i yeah there you go Denali says if she has to lip sync, she will show a very different side of Denali with energy, life, and drama. Olivia doesn't want to be in the bottom, but it's either fight or flight, and she will fight to stay because she already was a boxer this season. Denali's heart is broken, but there is a huge sense of peace as she did show a lot of amazing things. She calls the lip sync powerful and cathartic and doesn't have a sense of bitterness or sadness because I think she realizes she's not probably not done. She finds notes that's the prize to her. She gets emotional reading Rosé's note as they have become close friends from day one and have been supportive of each other. She's yearned for this type of community and love and friendship her entire life. Denali is proud of how long she lasted being true to her. Now it's the real drag race of life and she won't give up. Denali skates out of the workroom like she entered and Bevel, later skaters. Will the workroom see her again? We shall see. I hope not. Oh, well, let, let's dive right into these burning questions. My burning question for you right now is, what is Denali's legacy following her elimination? I mean, I think she was clearly a fan favorite in terms of like, you know, everyone's reaction online. I don't, uh, you know, she 
she can do the split she can do the trick she has a pretty decent aesthetic she's a cute twink like there's not a lot to dislike um I think there could have been an opportunity for her to be top four. I think they very well may have cast her, not not as a filler queen, but as a future all-star. That's uh, it. So mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna see more of her. Absolutely, she's an all-star. She will be probably, I would say second or third in line to get the call. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Here again, it, no doubt. She'll um, be on all-stars with Rosé and Jam. Because that's a storyline. You mean Jan's not on a future All Star season already? Well, yeah, I think Jan. Is- oh, if if the rumors are to be believed, right, right. All but alleged, I- all alleged. Don't sue. Don't sue me, World of Wonder. Right, exactly. Would, it's only Reddit. But a Rose Denali after uh, Rose and her boyfriend break up after seeing this episode. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes. I don't know. I, I don't know anything about. It. Um. Yeah. I, I. I really do think Denali will be an all-star Denali was my mom's favorite so she was very disappointed this week that Denali she's like why is she, she doesn't deserve to go home and it's like you're right and many people would agree with you yeah. my next question is next week we we're learning that it's kind of another branding challenge where they have to sell soda who's in danger girl please Tina bye Tina <laughs> can it be a double elimination who, who, do, who else do you want to go? I'd really like to see Tina go. And I think it might be time to say goodbye to Olivia. All right, I okay. I think she's run her course for me. I, I Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I really want to see Tina and Utica. As much as I love Utica and think what she... I appreciate what she brings. I just don't see it for her in... I think we've seen what he does. I, That's I, also I, fair. I, so it's a branding challenge. Obviously, there are some queens who have a brand. There are some queens who are in that gray area of what is that brand. I think we've clearly heard a lot of discussion about Tina and her brand of either being red, yellow, orange, or being campy classic comedy drag. I have this gut feeling she's going to do her own thing and she's going to get destroyed for it. And I really could see her going home this week because I don't see a path for her to the end. Um, I feel like the show really would like to see Olivia and Utica for another two weeks. And I think it'll be the, those two in one of those orders. I do think Utica will be the number five out because historically the number five out is a big comedy queen who the fans are devastated to lose, a la Betty LaCreme, Ms. Cracker, Katya. I think Utica kind of fits that mold, and that's why I think Utica will be the first call for an all-star season. Um, but we'll see. Did you catch in the preview for next week what Rosé is wearing? I didn't. No. Rosé is wearing the Jan face nightgown, the nighty. Oh. With, with the, the, the face from the back of the runway. I mean, yep, she is wearing that. They're setting it up for Laguna Blue to come. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're... Could you imagine if next season they don't cast Laguna? I fear for what Laguna would do. Yeah. I Laguna would march herself on set and, and insert herself into that cast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, I, I, I think, I feel like Rosé is probably going to win it this next challenge. I really do. Yeah. I don't. 
I have some like insider tea, which is that mm-hmm. for this, so I am the entertainment director of Cosmopolitan and Marie Claire. And prior to them announcing the season, I booked Dolly Parton for a digital cover of Marie Claire and we had RuPaul interview her. And right. part, of, part of that activation was asking Ru girls to ask their Twitter followers for um, questions that they would ask, like, what would you ask Dolly Parton if you had her in front of you? And they included Rosé in that roundup and that Twitter activation prior to the cast even being announced. And then they, they, um, they realized that the story was coming out before the cast announcement. By one day, By we, one had day. To, and we had to remove Rosé from that lineup of like queens who got questions. Um, so I think that you're probably not wrong in thinking she's going to win because early on they were positioning her as a top four queen. And I think they may have changed the edit Interesting. Oh, I don't. I don't think she. I think she's going to win the next challenge. I don't think she's winning the show. No, 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 no. no. I think, but I oh. think she's going far. Oh yeah. I, I don't think we've seen enough from her at this point to warrant a top four position. Exactly. I think this is the turning point for her. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what I was getting at is that I think we're about to see the turning point and understand why she might be in this rumored top four position because up until now bitch where yeah no i i, I agree she's definitely got a jan at it but a stronger jan at it yeah she's given I, us no oh, as I said, she's given us the bimini bamboo lash like she's starts out low 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 and she's crescendoing her way into the top B- four. bimini is but lucky Bimini's she doing a, it better bimini is lucky they had a seven month break also very much that see but i uh, I liked Bimini from the get. I was shocked she was in the bottom the first episode. I was like, I did I- not like her. I thought she was gonna. I be was one like, save Joe Black, save Joe Black. Yeah, I agree. I was upset they were both in the bottom, but I liked. Oh, Bimini. fully. I, the- I, I, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. I love watching the edit of this show, and and this season has been interesting for who is going to win. And now I'm going to pose that question after ten episodes: Who is the winner of the season? To me, it's 50-50 Simone or Mick. I don't Same. Know, I don't know who, but it's one of those two. I think this episode for me clinched Simone. I really do. They brought up the look again. Simone did an excellent job. She's teaching. I think she's a, a, a voice that Rue would like to have out there. And I do, as, as well as Mick is doing, I don't know if... There will always, if Mick were to win, I fear the com- the community would put an asterisk on the season and say Mick only won because. True, and and I will say I think that Rue, I think that Mick will be fine regardless. Yes, they are a storied makeup Hopefully. artist, have a career. They're doing well on YouTube. Yeah, the, after this show, Mick is done with Drag Race. Mick will not be on Drag Race ever again. Correct. So not it's, even for all stars? No, nope, not a chance. Nope. No, just much like Kim Chi doesn't need to go back. Nope, there's not a reason for it. So it's been it's it's been an interesting season. This was one of my favorite conversations. Thank you both for being here. Where can we find you on the social medias and Venmo if you want to throw it out there? I can be found at, at Maxwell Lascar or at Dot Deville. 
you want to see me as a boy, Maxwell, if you want to see me in drag, dot. Um, and you do not need to Venmo me because I'm lucky enough to have a great job. <laughs> give it to give it to one of your local queens who needs it. There you go. So you can find me on Instagram uh, at Mikey Nichols Pate or on Clubhouse. I've been going on that app more frequently. Um, Michael Dot Nichols. Uh, I still don't understand Clubhouse. I will learn it eventually. I it's too overwhelming. It's, it's great, I'm loving it. But you also do not need to Venmo me. I am very fortunate I work at the Los Angeles LGBT Center. So if anything, you also can donate some coin if you liked me to your uh, local LGBT Center. They are hurting for cash and they do great work for the community. There you go. Great options, great options. Work. Well, thank you both for being here. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I can't wait to go like, subscribe, and rate it five stars and do all that great stuff. Yeah, do it, please. <laughs> the biggest thanks to Mikey and Maxwell for coming on. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Block Talk.